Welcome to A Break in the Action, where we take a break from the business of our days to focus on outdoor pursuits and the traditional sporting lifestyle. Join us for discussion and interviews on vintage and modern break-action shotguns, sporting literature, outdoor leisure, and reviews of best-in-class gear, accessories, and destinations. So pour yourself a drink, sit back, relax, and let's take a break in the action. Now here's your host, shotgun collector, wing shooter, and sporting clays enthusiast, Ryan Dowdy. Well, hopefully by now you've listened to part one of this odd discussion. Johnny and I have been working our way from the barrel tips to the recoil pad, fictitiously building up a shotgun from the best or sometimes just interesting components from all makers in all eras. Part one got us just past the action. We ended on the triggers. So let's get things going with part two. We're going to start off with the engraving, and we're going to jump right in. Johnny, you want to you want to lead us off on this one? Oh no! After you, mate. After you, I'm. This is a tough one. This is probably the hardest part of all of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You might be right on that. Before I explain my engraving, I think I need to describe the overall aesthetic that I want this gun to have. Um, I do love the contrast between deeply blued barrels and like a nice French gray or satin finished receiver. I love the way that you can really make the engraving kind of pop out, stand out. On this gun, though, I'm going for another kind of favorite look of mine, a really dark and moody look across the entire gun. Um, I'm a huge fan of case color hardening when it's done correctly, and by that I mean um, with heat and fire and bone and carbon. I hate chemical faux hardening, by the way, and wish it wasn't even a thing. <laughs> so my side lock over and under would have deep and rich case colors, those, those blues and purples and greens and straw colors um, that are interesting, again, every time you pick up the gun. All the metalwork, the action, the side plates, the trigger guard, even that manufan squeeze lever would be case color hardened. My engraving then would be very simple and clean border or perimeter wire work or wire inlay um, around the side locks. You see this a lot with gold wire, um, but I think I'd go different. I would want mine to be inlaid with sterling silver oh, yeah. uh, wire so work on the, the border engraving. Get the I, I really like the way sterling silver ages and gets character. Yeah. And I think that patina would look amazing with the with the case colors um, and would be a lot less contrast than gold wire would be. Um, I don't really know that much about the skill that it takes to engrave metal. So I, I'd, I'd say that this probably isn't the most um, technical um, or, or certainly not the most artistic option. Uh, but again, I'm building my, my Frankenstein gun, right? So... How about you? What's your what's your engraving going to look like? Oof, uh, it's hard to describe engraving in words and what I'd like, but um, I would I, I know who I'd like to engrave it. Does that help? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. The guys over at Houseman and Co. Mister Heim is their engraver. I've seen a lot of his guns, and I think every single one is beautiful. I think the man is extremely talented. He has, I mean, he's, he's multi talented, but one of the things he does really nicely, a lot of the guns involve 
a really deep carved scroll. She got some real nice relief mixed with a beautiful Bellino game scene of sorts. And I, I love deep. And that's when I'm saying deep carved scroll, you know, when it actually is raised and rounded the yeah. Acanthus yeah. out of the metal. And you don't often see it in, well, you do see it in some English guns. I've seen quite a few, but it's, it's not an English taste thing. You see it in Austria. You see it commonly in Germany. You see it in Belgium. And these guys, I mean, well, there's a lot of people who are very good at it, but he's also such a lovely guy. I love their guns as well. Um, if I was to go and buy a new side by side, it would probably be one of their side lever 20 bores. I just think they're stunning. But yeah, that kind of thing would be good. You said um, your your game scenes. You said Bellino style. Yeah. Um, have you thought about what they would depict? No, I I, I don't know. It's a, it's a it's a clay gun, isn't it? So probably something not that traditional. I, I hadn't. I I don't know. Is the bottom line? It, but if we were building a a dream gun without from a maker, I know kind of what we do with a traditional action on this one. I have no particular thing. I, I love when someone does non-game birds well. I always think that's spectacular. I love when you see things that are just slightly out of the ordinary. I think it's always wonderful to see. Uh, probably avoid people. Uh, it's rare to see people done to an amazing standard. Yeah. I wouldn't mind wolves. I think wolves are cool, but again, as I've read the only good wolfy gun, well, one of the only good wolfy guns I've ever seen is theirs. Uh, bears, all weird to have on a sporting gun, so I think this is the wrong kind of thing. It, it, it wouldn't matter to me. Some cool animals. I don't even have a particularly favourite animal. I Maybe my basset hound. I, I don't know. <laughs> How about an aardvark? I mean, I don't know. An aardvark on a shotgun. Why not? It would, and, and you know that that actually, as an animal, would engrave so well, wouldn't it? You've got so much texture going on. It, that would be cool. But, that that would definitely yeah. be one of those guns you're stuck with. I don't think you're going to list your Aardvark shotgun online and, and sell it anytime soon. I, I think for the fact we've probably invested best part of half a million dollars into this gun, <laughs> making sure all these makers actually make your stuff. Ain't no, you, if you want to get out of it, you're losing $499,000. So who cares? It's a sort of thing that you'd probably go, here you go. This is the style I like. Come up with some preliminary sketches and we'll go from there. And that, that to me, I think, Certainly with hand engravers is a good way of working. Find one whose style you like. A bit like a tattoo artist, right? Find one whose style you like. Tell them what you want. See what they come up with. Have a discussion. It's a developing process, right? And um, we'll go from there. For me, that would be... That would be the, the way. I've always thought that that looked really good. Hell, I'd be happy without the game scenes and just having a really disgustingly deep relief, cool-ass scroll on there that... Yeah. I've always thought that's really nice. Yeah, that 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 big bold carved, deep, yeah, carved acanthus. Yeah. I think is the correct phrase. But yeah, and I, and I love how I love how when you do that, it really frames up those game scenes. Yeah, um, it's it's pretty amazing. I almost like when they sink the game scene vignettes in and the game roll out of it. Certainly when it's inlaid in gold and the gold is almost three D. I think that's quite cool. Yeah, yeah, um, and I'd probably have it case hardened as well because I do think it's beautiful or blacked just because I I think again. It's nice, a bit like the engraving on the back of the trigger yard. It's nice to have the most beautifully engraved thing in the world and then hide it from everybody. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Because it's not for everyone else. 
That's not for everyone else. It's for yourself at the end of the day. And some people like having a big flashy gun that that, that kind of calls people in, and I, I can appreciate that. It's not saying a bad thing. I own plenty of ridiculously flashy, stupid guns that make people go, what the hell have you got there? But it's kind of cool for people to go, is that? And they pick it up and they go, oh, yeah. And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is, this is for the connoisseurs. This is for the people who actually care about guns, not for the people who go, well, that's quite shiny. That's right. Yeah, I love that. And like that. Yeah, that would be where I'd go, and it's it's hard to not go further than that because it's again it's a sporting gun. You don't want an ammo on it. You don't want anything too crazy. But yeah, a nicely engraved would be that would be on my street. I'd be happy with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we move on to the stock now. Stock um, and fore end. Um, I'll lead off. Uh, I am a fan of a slender, kind of an English field style forend. Um, I definitely want my gun to have an Anson push rod forend release. Um, I, I prefer those. I think it just makes for a little bit cleaner um, look, overall look to the shotgun. I mentioned earlier that I would want this um, to use that Beretta single double trigger thing. So you might think that I would want to go with like an English style straight, straight stock, um, really, stock I guess. but actually... I think I'd go with something like a like a Prince of Wales or a, or a Woodward style grip. These are the really really shallow and swept back grips, and I really like how they um, they feel in hand. They're they're typically pretty trim. Yeah, I'd have a nice um, metal grip cap fitted, and of course a long trigger um, guard tang inlet into the wood, and um, definitely have all that case color hardened to match, and probably throw in a little pop of that um, that sterling silver wire inlay. Uh, wood would be easy. It'd be walnut. I just did a really fun episode on walnut and got to visit with um, Luxus Walnut, uh, who deal with beautiful high-grade Turkish walnut blanks for for restocking projects. High-grade walnut comes in every different variety to suit every single taste. Um, there's overall lighter tones, medium tones, um, with with deep and kind of uh, that real eye-catching figure. You also come across some really overall dark slabs um, that still manage to kind of pull you in with with unique and and distinct um, figure and and marbling. I saw a blank when I was there that was just like this. It was it was sort of like that beautiful engraving that you were talking about that you sort of veil by by blacking the action. Um, this blank had tons of figure and burl and contrast. But you had to look at it for a minute before you really, really saw it. Uh, you know how it takes a minute for your for your eyes to kind of get adjusted get um, in the dark before you can see. It was it was kind of like that. You after studying this for a bit, you're able to really kind of pull back that veil and and of the just overall dark tone um, and and see all of the character in this wood. It was one of the prettiest pieces of walnut um, that I think I've ever seen, and I I would want that exact blank um on my uh, on my frankenstein gun again i think that just kind of goes with that that or overall stormy dark personality that i want this shotgun to have um if you're familiar with like a funeral gun uh i think that's the the, the overall vibe that i'm trying to describe here with this this dark this dark shotgun yeah, why don't, you, why don't you go like a bit further afield? Get some really like reprehensible wood, some Syrian wood. <laughs> there you go. Probably where it all comes from anyway. Yeah. <laughs> How about, how about you? What can you tell me about your stock and your, your forend? It's tough because it's a sporting gun. So you don't really want anything too fancy. 
generally speaking, the stiffer the stock, the better the recoil. And it's it's hard hard to see the technical aspects on there, but anyone who's shot a Browning Grade 5 versus a Browning Laminate will appreciate that. Laminate, the stiff... Yeah, there's a bit of extra weight, but the stiffness in the stock is superior. I shot the SL2 Launch Edition Carbon when I did the Beretta Factory Tour, and that was unbelievably nice shooting because there's zero flex in the stock or this is what they're saying and that translates as better recoil better felt recoil a different felt recoil which is perceived as more pleasant for me um and that goes for a lot of these things so it's it's hard to say that i'd want a really fancy piece of walnut because it's not really the correct thing to put on a sporting gun right 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 and yet in reality that's kind of where you want to go <laughs> Because it's pretty. Yeah. How about how about four end hardware? Loved, how about four end hardware? Uh, what would you go with? I would probably go with a latch. I don't like push rods. They add, generally speaking, too much depth to a uh, a four end because you have to fit all that stuff in there. I've also seen more of those go wrong. Not that they go wrong, but they're certainly a harder fix when they do. Potentially, if anything breaks, I I, I like a lever release. It's convenient. It works. If you know, on I have well, a few cyber sides. I have seen on one over and under just a pull fit one, and that was quite cool. It was on a piece of junk in the Holt sealed bit. I can't even remember what it was. If you could make that work, that'd be nice. So there's no metal work on show on the forehand. That was kind of a cool system. But honestly, a a lever release with an extremely low profile loop, so you could have a really low profile forehand that's still wide, still sizable, but not super deep that it doesn't drop below the profile of the action which a lot of these four ends do it would just come out keep a perfectly par parallel line probably no more than like a quarter inch depth under the barrels which is about right i guess for most actions even less than and i think that would just be a nice thing and i don't think that would be possible with a push rod system and i'll just how about how about four in style do you have a do you have a preference on that i don't i don't see you as a as a schnabel type that no i'm not a schnabel guy i i like the london rounded i always think that's quite nice that a slightly chunkier rounded forehand is is good in terms of width obviously for my hand i've got big hands and it, an inch longer than standard would be handy because i'm tall i do like to hold the front of the forehand however so we're not looking for it to be complete i don't want to hold the wood i want to hold the front my fingers i like to touch the barrel what i find with most guns when i do that because they're, they're short i end up burning my index finger when i'm holding the barrel which is stupid i'm aware but i don't even mind a little bit of like beaver tail knurling at the top i quite like that you see that on on my longthorn has has that that kind of cut away at the top so you have a bit of width but it kind of tapers back in what a third of the way up the woodwork so you have a bit of depth in the bottom of your hand and if you actually just make a natural hand that's kind of how it works you've got a wide bit at the bottom because you've got your palm but your fingers do come back in very quick i like my i would have the same four and i have on my longthorn but i'd make it an inch longer i like that profile it's a nice profile the stock i don't like huge grips that's what i've learned I, I always thought that was better. I've got the Longthorn glove grip, which is nice. I've got the Mamma Ricardo, which is a huge beast of a grip. And actually, I do quite a lot of work. I'm not very strong, I, I think. And I, I do like to grip a gun. And I, I have large hands, but they're not monstrous. I like a smaller grip. I like 
like the I like the DT11 grip where it's quite skinny in the neck, so you can get your hands around it and you can actually you can hold it. I don't like the, the DT11 trap stock; it's too big. I don't like the Bulbis Pro Sport; uh, too big. I don't like the the 725 Pro, whatever it's called, with the monster stock. I don't like the Zenith. I don't like anything too big. A Kriegoff stock; they're ridiculously small in the hand, but that works, right? It's they're not small in the hand; they're just skinny. They have a bit of palm swell, they fill your hand nicely, but you can hold on to it, and I kind of like that. I shoot guns with slimmer grips better. So I think for my sporting gun, I'd have something like that. Nothing too deep in the palm swell, sort of a semi-palm semi -palm swell, semi-pistol grip, skinny where it needs to be skinny. Yeah, I, that would be me. I don't like big woodwork. I like svelte guns because I generally have a long stock and I have long barrels, so there's a lot of weight there. And with the Kriegoff, there'll be a lot of action. I don't need there to be excess wood in my hands. <laughs> oi, oi. Your gun being a uh, target gun, would you have an adjustable comb on it? <sighs> with the two barrels, it's probably necessary, isn't it? But if we scrapped the flat red barrel, as sad as that would be, I would... In an ideal world, I would love to not have an adjustable comb, but I also probably wouldn't opt to have a sporting gun without one. I mean, my, my weight fluctuates with my health and with with the time of the year and with how much I've been on the road. And sometimes I just can't shoot the damn thing and I need to shoot a flat gun. I like to see a bit of rib generally, but sometimes when I'm not well, I need to shoot a flat gun because it's all I can handle. It sounds silly. So an adjustable is probably probably wise. I don't find them offensive looking. I, I don't really even care. But from a from a beauty perspective, I would prefer no adjustable comb. From a practicality perspective, why not? They do. Whilst we're choosing cool adjustable combs, is it Calyx who do the one that you just twist and move? It's kind of got a pressure thing, so you just remove the pressure and it clicks into different places. Yeah, I've not seen that one. Yeah, you just twist it. It's on a spring system. Move it up. I don't know how it moves left and right. I presume that's done. That might be impossible. But the up and down's cool. Mm, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there you go. It is the Calyx Technique. It doesn't go left and right by the look of it, but it does go up and down. I want that that moves left and right easily as toolless. That's probably impossible. But whilst we're being optimistic and dreaming of Frankenstein stuff, hey, why not Let's throw another £700,000 sure. to develop that into the into the pot? Absolutely. So does that now just leave us with the pad? Is there um, is there much that we can say about a pad or a butt a butt plate? Uh, yeah, I mean, it would be tough to not have something on the end. <laughs> I guess from a sporting gun perspective, it needs to be slippery, but it also needs to be tacky. You know, you don't want anything that's going to hook up if you're going to use it for fit task or anything like that. Y you can't be a kickies covered in leather, but from a weight perspective, that's suboptimal. From a beauty perspective, finishing it in a piece of horn has always been something that has excited me. Always, always like that. Checkered horn is nice. I've done a few in my time. It's a horrifically hard job and really nice. But just pack my old English. They're fantastic too. It, I'm not that fussy when it comes to the pad on a sporting gun, providing it's not sticky, but it's not slippy. Yeah. It just needs to work, and, and you not have to yeah. think about it. and I, I guess it depends on the, the subject, but my, this gun's going to weigh in at probably nine pounds, so recoil's not going to be an issue. We can handle a hard pad. Let's go for horn. 
it will be the only traditional thing on this gun. Mine, mine would be easy. Packmire pad covered with black pigskin leather, just nice, soft pigskin. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That that Woodward that I mentioned earlier, it had a um, checkered horn pad. I think that's the first gun that I've ever ever seen that had that. Oh, it's incredibly hard to find a decent piece as well, which is is kind of exciting, right? And yeah, I'll be down for horn. It would take some damage and beating over the years, but it also does take a beating pretty well. Wouldn't it also deliver a beating being on a sporting clays gun? Yeah, but, you know, I've gone through the effort of having it fitted. This thing is contoured in all the right places. I mean, and I'm using English cartridges, uh, which I've noted are just significantly nicer than your American ones. (laughs) Much more forgiving for recoil. I haven't shot English cartridges, but that comment does allow me to give a quick plug to to B&P. They've been supporting the podcast this year by sending over some shot shells, and um, I've got to say I really like shooting them. They're really, really nice. Just last weekend, um, I had some fun on the skeet field with a few of the my older guns. Um, their low-pressure 2.5-inch shells are fantastic. They're a good shell. They're a soft shell. They're a premium shell. They're high-end, and the people there are lovely. It's it's a great company, and I I think that they've made the most photogenic shot shell ever. Oh yeah, they do that British racing green one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the box is nice. It's a luxury experience. Yeah, it's just premium all the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've been we've been going for about ninety minutes now. Um, have we have we missed anything? I never really got to the point with wood. I guess. Wood-wise, I don't think it matters. I love the idea of having an ebony stock. A few gun makers have made them. It, it's not the best wood for the job, but it, it's kind of completely plain and completely awesome. That's worth mentioning. I might I might have to reconsider. That that kind of goes with my overall dark theme that I'm that I'm going for. Oh yeah. Like so uh Beretta made a 490 Serpentina with ebony. And I've seen that gun in the flesh, and it is every bit a bit of me. Gloss black action, gloss black barrels, very little embellishment, just badass in every way. Very cool. Uh, and I say that was a bit of me. You know, it might not be the gun I'd go for, but I really appreciate it. Mm. Case is the only thing left on the list yeah. that's worth yeah. worth talking about. Sure. So tell me what. Uh, tell me the details of your case. Well, the beauty of. Uh, the case is it doesn't really matter whether it's a target gun or a game gun or anything like that, so we can really go to town here. Yeah. I would have an oak and leather travel case with all of my stuff in there, and it would weigh probably 35 pounds on its own because they are horrifically big things. But I've always thought that's a real thing. You pop up with your oak and leather case, you pop it open, and you see that oak trim inside with like maybe, maybe purple bays. Oh, that's kind of a cool thing. You open it up and you go, barrels, click, into the action, four end on. These chokes today, screw, 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 screw. Take your oil out, dib, dib, dib. <laughs> and then you go, all right. My glasses will probably be in there. You know, take them out. I'm going to load up my matching walkabout range bag. And we're going to go, hey, we may have brought the yobbiest gun here, but we're going to try and try and keep some style. <laughs> that would be where I got now you you have been perfectly practical for the majority of this conversation until you got to your thirty five pound uh, gun case. 
Yeah, but it lives it lives in the back of the car, right? You never have to carry it. Just open your open the trunk, your boot, and just pop it open. It's again, it's for you. Yeah. That's sort of where I disagree with you though on, on cases. A case like that will sit at your house and you will never take your gun anywhere in it. It's just too big and, and too heavy. Um, I most always carry my shotgun in just a nice slip case, uh, traditional English styled fold over flap and buckle. Probably my favorite. Quick shout out to Bear House Saddery, who I had one made by, and it is the finest thing. It is beautiful. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll, yeah, they are. Again, a fine slip case is lovely. I'll have to check them out. I'm, I'm not familiar with them. But if I'm going to go with something more than that for this project, um, a takedown case, a hard case, Negrini makes, I think, the best designed and best built premium cases out there. Their, their ultra compact case oh, is yeah. about a third smaller than your, your typical hinged takedown case. Trimmed in leather, and um, yeah. these things are stunning. They're, they're awesome. They're different than the Negrini cases that a lot of new um, shotguns just ship in. That ultra compact model is, um, I don't think that there's a better way to carry a break action shotgun. It's, it's a smaller footprint and it's way nicer to carry around. So you'll actually, um, you'll actually use it. You'll actually take it with you. Yeah. So I saw one of those. I've, I've seen them alive, but when we were in Spain at, at, the, at the range, there was like three or four people with them. And I thought, that's a really nice thing. It, but you'd want it in whilst we're going down the ridiculous route. You want it in carbon fiber to save oh. weight. Yeah. See, I think that I'd have to go with leather. Just beautiful, beautiful, premium leather. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Just maybe. Actually, I would have a case built into the boot of my car, and so it's just a pull-out drawer system with a gun in it for a sporting clays gun. That makes more sense. But I don't have a nice enough car to warrant <laughs> that. So let's... well, that that needs to be another installment then in this series. Um, building up the ultimate vehicle to tote your shotgun to and from <laughs> the club. <in. laughs> Johnny, we've gone long on this one, um, and it's been a ton of fun. Did we leave? Did we leave anything out? Have we each created the ultimate Frankenstein um, shotgun? I mean, I think both of these guns would be as ugly as sin in reality, and probably wouldn't ever work. <laughs> but I thoroughly enjoyed the concept of going. I think that's the best. Let's stick it on. Yeah. I think we need to we need to have a do over next year where we pick a different category because I think it would be great fun to do this with all manner of guns. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's plan on it. Maybe next year we can build shotguns with the worst features and components of all time. Oh yes. Maybe that's what we should have done this year. Oh, that would be great fun. The worst possible components that anybody has ever made. <laughs> hey. Hey, seriously though, I'd like to uh, to wrap up by saying that you are are hands down putting out the most entertaining and informative um, shotgun and shooting content anywhere, and and I just want to thank you and and please um, just keep doing what you're doing. It's it's exceptional. Thank you, man. Couldn't do it without my team, and I very much appreciate you for having me on. I'm not sure if we learned much from these two episodes, but they were a lot of fun to make. Coming up with the items that I included on my shotgun made me realize just how much by the way of development and redevelopment and then just sheer brain power has gone into the shotguns that you and I can appreciate and shoot today. So get them out and enjoy them. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of A Break in the Action. Want to hear your voice on a future episode? Leave a message, ask a question, or suggest a topic on our listener line at 317-662-4520. 
Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and visit us at abreakintheaction.com.